This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, your podcast host, and this is episode 217. This week, Deputy Food Editor Adam chats to Vanessa Kimbell, owner of the Sourdough School and author of several baking books. Her latest, Sweet Bacon, Nourishing the Gut and Mind, investigates the benefits of fermentation in sweet bakes. They discuss how increasing the variety of food in your diet could be beneficial to your physical and mental health, and Vanessa makes a passionate case for eating better bread. Hey guys, uh, it's Adam, uh, Olive's Deputy Food Editor. I'm here with Vanessa Kimball. Hey Vanessa. Hey, how are you doing? I am excellent about yourself. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Very pleased to be back chatting with you. Yeah, good to see you again. And actually, you know, it's over over the old internet, but it feels feels quite personal all the same. It's uh, strange how you can suddenly be here in the Sado School with me, and it sort of feels like uh, feels like you're here. It's great technology, hey? The powers of the internet. Now, Vanessa, you've just released, or is it released, or is it is it even out yet? Yeah, no, the, it's out. Your new, it is out. Um, your new book, Sweet Baking, um, which is uh, obviously, as it as the title says, a sweet baking, but it's so much more than that. Um, it seems like a completely new take on baking, really. Um, can you talk us through a bit of the premise or how you went about writing it? Or It's a funny thing, you know, because this book was in my head uh, for about five or six years before I wrote it. And in some ways, it was a good job that I didn't write it because my own understanding developed as I was writing it. And I think that is something that um, 
I held some things back from my last book, The Sado School on Bread. Um, yeah. Part of what I held back went into this book. Um, and there were two or three aspects of the gut microbiome I wanted to concentrate on. Uh, and an approach at the Sado School that we have here that is unique. And we've had to have all of our students for the past two or three years sign a non-disclosure agreement whilst teaching them. It's been very weird. Um, so your new book is called Sweet Baking, but it's so much more than that. Um, it seems like a completely new take on baking. Uh, how did you like come up with the premise and what was the thought process behind it? So the original idea for the book was actually about six years ago. And I'm very glad that it took so long to, to write because as I wrote it, I uh, developed and uh, created more of the concepts that were more in keeping with the most up-to-date research. And so mm. it's almost like the research caught up with my techniques and we started um, almost by cutting pieces out of the previous book so one of the major pieces of uh, understanding is that food is medicine and Mm -hmm. I think the medical profession is beginning to acknowledge that what we eat has a huge impact on us but one of the cutting edge uh, areas of research in psychiatry and uh, in mental health is how food actually affects our mood. Mm -hmm. And some of the scientists and some of the papers that I had been reading, I just realised were pieces of academic work and they hadn't necessarily been translated into something that we could use. You know, you can't eat an academic paper. You have Mm -hmm. to be able to take the information and then apply it into something that is an easy thing to do and an easy thing to incorporate into your everyday life. So to say to someone, add in probiotics into your diet and add mm-hmm. prebiotics into your diet is, is a concept that is alien. But if you start a book off with a really deep understanding, explaining what those probiotics are, explaining what the prebiotics are, and then actually uh, discussing and sharing information that is transformational in your gut and in mental health, when you then apply that knowledge to the recipes, people are understanding what they're doing. And when you explain to people and you uh, get people to understand, that's revolutionary. That's the anarchist Mm -hmm. in me. That is change because you are empowering people to not just bake, but to understand the impact of their baking on their gut health, on their mental health, on their mm-hmm. well-being. And I think at the end of the day, you can talk about all of these other concepts. We could talk about diabetes and blood sugar management, and we could talk about uh, obesity. We could talk about all of these areas that are key and right at the forefront of government policy at the moment, especially when you look at COVID. But in the end, I think you would possibly kind of agree with me here, Adam, the only thing mm. that actually matters is the way you feel. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, yeah, you, mentally and physically. Yeah. So I decided to concentrate on bringing all of the research that I had to uh, available um, from people like John Cryan, who investigated psychobiotics, which are live bacteria that actually have had as much impact in improving mental health as antidepressants. I decided to use people like Professor Felice Jekers, uh, 
uh, studies who has shown that the food that you eat can impact positively uh, depression and mental health. Um, Tim Spector's, Professor Tim Spector, the head of epidemiology at King's College London, his research, and he actually wrote the foreword to the book, Mm. and basically apply that knowledge into the recipes. So you are actually eating for your mental health. And part of that, Adam, is not just fermenting. Mm -hmm. Fermenting alone is not enough to give you gut health. That's just Mm -hmm. on its own. It is one aspect the fermenting gives you more bioavailability of the key nutrients that nourish the gut. Yes, absolutely. And they break down the gluten, makes it easier on the digestive system, less inflammatory. But the other part is that we had to completely and utterly and completely reimagine our definition of flour because mm. at the centre of every research that we uh, have to date is this key piece of information that diversity is integral to our diet. And the wider the diversity of the food we eat, the wider the diversity of our gut microbiome, the wider the diversity of our gut microbiome, the more robust our health. And it's in modern flour, everything that the bakers bake with, I mean, watch the bakers baking and most of them are pretty revolutionary guys you know you get out there and they've got attitude you know mm-hmm. I, you're looking at me I've got I've got attitude I'm a you know I'm well known as a as, you know a very typical you know tattooed sourdough baker with attitude yeah. and they go you know I, I'm not allowed to swear am I but you know stuff the system But they're actually, it's quite funny, really, because there they are holding up a spelt loaf. And you're like, "Uh ah, the spelt loaf is monoculture. (laughs) You're not stuffing the system because you're still working with with a single flower, monoculture. Mono, monoculture. This is one. So we have been working for about quite a number of years now, and I've unfortunately had to get all my students here to sign a non-disclosure agreement because of mm-hmm. this book deal. Um, thankfully, <laughs> no one's able, <laughs> finally able to talk about our botanical blends. And that is when we mill a whole meadow. And that's probably, if you couple the, the applying the evidence of individual foods having an impact on the gut microbiota and mental health and you couple that mm-hmm. with the diversity blends the botanical blends and milling the whole meadow not just one grain that mm-hmm. is i think that's going to be seminal in changing the paradigm of bread and changing the way we approach flour and i think that's probably where people have been like whoa this is this is new this is completely new and this is rattling people's cages because it's 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 different um and 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 when you read it it makes sense you're like oh oh of course you know neolithic man didn't wander around going i just did a little bit of spell a bit more spell yes neolithic man didn't make a spelt loaf he ate everything and that's how we evolved with a diversity and we must return to making food that nourishes us 
So with all these ingredients grown, like what ingredients are you talking about? Would they have all grown like side by side with the wheat? Because really wheat's just a, a type of grass, right? So there would have been flowers, meadow, like, you know, there would have been all kinds of things in amongst. And is that what you're really talking about is, is harvesting all of those things that would have grown naturally together and then eating them as, a, as like together in a loaf or... Yes. So in the very first instance, we have a meadow blend. It's blend number two. It's not blend number one because blend number one is actually a hybrid. And that is a combination of modern bread flour and any of the other blends. Mm -hmm. You need to have that if you're going to do the advanced base, Adam, because you need a little bit of gluten to hold things up like a Danish dough because it just won't hold up. You need that strength. Yeah. So... The approach that we took was to have one big beefy blend that you could use. And then the rest of the blends are based on a meadow blend. But a meadow is different from whatever time of year you're in it. Mm-hmm. A meadow is different according to where you, which meadow you're in. So each blend has been themed around... Uh, uh, a meadow and then we've taken a theme on it so for example there's a blend which is um full of uh blue colors which is uh anthocyanins and then we have a, a high polyphenol blend which is a red blend it's got hibiscus tea in it for example mm. so we started off with our basic blend which is just i suppose you would consider that to be a typical english meadow and it's mm-hmm. got uh obviously wheat in, triticomastavita and bread wheat. Uh, and then it's got oh, everything, rye and spelt and einkorn and emma and barley mm-hmm. and oats. And then you really start to get into the meadows. So then you start looking at things like cornflowers and wild oregano. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, and I, I, and then there's another blend, there's an Italian blend that I have here that was an Italian meadow I stood in and I was like, oh, and there was olive trees at the bottom of an olive grove. So we mill olive uh, leaves in there, which are full of oleic acid, which is very anti-inflammatory. And then you get into those kind of blends that we have that are more the Eastern blends where you can mill Mm -hmm. things like saffron and cardamom and and rose petals and you get that kind of really beautiful Eastern. So the meadow blend was the base. And then I was like, I literally went in my... In I guess I went to different meadows and was like, well, there was orange trees and so seaweed and nettles and and so. So as opposed as opposed to doing it for nutritional reasons, you're really looking at what's growing around because then therefore you're it's like a happy ecosystem. It's a happy blend through nature, not through additives, I suppose, or like you know. Yeah, I mean, in the end. Often I will encourage people in the very first instance to go in the pantry, go stand mm. in the pantry, take a look at what's in your pantry. You've got oats, you might have some spelt flakes, you might have some coffee, green tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, believe it or not, a spoonful of green tea and suddenly you've doubled the diversity. You know, mm-hmm. uh, simple things like um, uh, flax seeds. And some of these things have already been incorporated into our diets. If you look at most of the health uh, and wellness industry most people who make smoothies are already kind of in this mode so it's, yeah it's not completely foreign yeah but also adam it sounds really stupid but already the book's only been out i don't know four or five days and i've had half a dozen emails from people going ah, i made my own blend and i put mm-hmm. um i don't know um 
I can't remember what people have been putting in it, but they've already just cottoned onto the concept, not just my blends, yeah. but starting to use their own. And that is exactly what I need. Nice. So it, how do, how does eating, like how does this mix of uh, things that you're milling, how does that increase your microbiome or is it food or is it you're increasing the bacteria is that in the flour or is it you're giving food for a very different variety of bacteria what what's it actually doing so the approach of each recipe has been to have a essentially a a gut factor mm-hmm. and what each recipe does is uh it's called i call it symbiotic eating so in the book we've uh, gone all the way through and given a breakdown of which microbes are in your gut. So there are things like Bifidobacterium, Acamantia, uh, uh, Christianella, and we've told you what the bugs are. You hear all these books like, oh, yeah, it's good for your gut, good for your gut. Well, mm. well, well what? Well, which microbes and what do they do? And then the microbes, what we've done is we've then gone and looked at the specific fibers that you find in wheat and in these ingredients so hemicellulose uh resistant starch um and we've actually got all these amazing uh a breakdown of all these um fibers and how they have specifically fed those positive bacteria so you can actually go and look at which bacteria you're feeding which uh fiber is actually feeding them in so Mm. you can then realize that and then what we do is we layer on top of that the live probiotics and we call it symbiotic eating so Mm -hmm. let me really simplify it yeah okay a long slow fermented chocolate and rye donut Delicious. With a blackberry compote, which has got mm-hmm. really reduced sugar in or no sugar at all if you're avoiding sugar. And then you eat that with a long, slow fermented live creme pâtissière that is full of bifidobacterium, uh, uh, for example. And the way you can actually go and fetch these bacteria is you can go to the supermarket, you can pick up a yogurt and you can actually read on the side of uh most supermarkets now have 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 got a yogurts and uh live um uh ingredients that specify which bacteria are in them and i think that's amazing to actually then be able to take a bite of a donut that has got the bacteria that uh that are alive in it, as well mm-hmm. as the polyphenols, as well as the diversity that has then been fermented and broken down. So this is how a donut should be. This is like mm-hmm. the ultimate donut. Good for your taste buds and good for your gut. Yeah, and good for your mind. Stick around for more in-depth chat from Vanessa, including why we should all be mindful of what exactly is in our daily bread. What What is fermented creme pat? Because for most people, creme pâtissière, by the way, guys, is basically just like thick and custard, right? And it's what you pipe into donuts and it's on a lot of French uh, patisserie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you go about fermenting that? Well, it's really simple. You just uh, inoculate uh, uh, creme pâtissière. Uh, and you, you, say, you say it a lot better than me. 
Well, disons, j'habite en France pendant très longtemps, alors je parle français, so I'll talk in English now. So, yes, yeah. I probably do speak um, quite good French. So, uh, sorry. Um, I got really fed up of going to bakeries. And I'd see something and be like, oh, that looks amazing. And I'd bite in and I'd just basically die of a sugar overload. I was like, blah, and my sugar would spike and I'd mm. feel slightly sick. It'd be greasy. And then I'd feel bad. <laughs> so like, I feel really bad for eating this. And I was like, we have to stop eating food that is damaging to us. But that mm. meant giving up things like cake and donut. I was like, no, 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 no. no I'm not giving this up. Don't be we, too rash. <laughs> No, I don't like giving the good things up. So reimagining our approach, the souring actually makes the 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 cakes or the donuts or the 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 the, 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 the pastries incredibly complex. Those esters from the sourdough kind of really make it deeply delicious. And mm-hmm. the fermentation is is making it less inflammatory. The diversity is nourishing all those microbes. The live probiotics are actually, uh, you know, increasing the diversity in your gut whilst they're in there. They, they, they are transit. I think we talked about this last time. I don't worry. There is a, yeah. a theory that the live probiotics actually do not make it into your gut, but their little dead bodies actually <laughs> are a probiotic, um, a prebiotic, prebiotic in their own right. So they're, so they're, sort of they're cannibals, are they? Cannibalism, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one theory why that actually helps. The, the, to nourish your gut and then you've got this um you know these every single recipe has got a high level of uh, polyphenols which are really key um, talk us through them because for 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 the layman like me uh, i don't know what what a polyphenol is okay just okay so polyphenols are what we i guess used to call antioxidants so things like blueberries mm-hmm. blackberries uh grapes all those kind of really beefy dark colors and they mm-hmm. are really, really good at scavenging free radicals uh, during the day-to-day uh, living. Uh, you can get damage to your cells and they are believed to help repair them. So they are mass associated with being uh, very healthy uh, for, um, uh, for anti-aging they're also associated with better cognitive uh, performance there's uh, several studies showing uh, elderly people having improved cognitive function from polyphenols but also those polyphenols and also flavonoids which are basically colors look for the rainbow miguel our mm-hmm. in-house nutritionist um, and uh, gut health expert here um, he's always talking about eating a rainbow And that is what the polyphenols are and the flavonoids. They are deeply nourishing. And your guts basically have a party when you eat them. Like, oh, man, this is so good. And they transform them into this really special thing. And I I don't want to get too sciencey, but they're called Mm short-chain fatty acids. Okay? Now, the Mm -hmm. short-chain fatty acids are key uh, to being anti-inflammatory, they're what your microbes munch on. They are, there's one called uh, propionate acetate butyrate. Butyrate, I guess, is a little bit like butter. It's kind of slimy and it kind of lives, I'm sorry to go from donuts to slime, but yeah. it, 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 it's a bit like engine oil. And your microbes kind of live in the, in, 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 in the 
in that sort of tube and they protect your gut and they reduce inflammation, but they're also absolutely central to your immune system. And Mm -hmm. so we're learning as well, it's very topical at the moment, that people who have got a more robust gut microbiome are having less... uh, the the massive um, psychotine um, uh, reaction and overload and the inflammatory response to COVID has also mm-hmm. been associated um, with the gut. And what they're learning is the more robust your gut microbiome, the less reaction you're having to COVID in some of the studies that wow. are coming out. And there's this is okay. still tentative. There, there's a lot of yeah, early yeah. stuff going on here and we're yeah. still I mean, we're right at the front edge of this. But Cold face, yeah. Yeah, but when your gut is balanced mm-hmm. and it's healthy, it's it's your that is that is about they they argue the scientists because like just remember I'm a baker, right? I'm not a scientist, mm-hmm. I'm a baker. But the scientists do argue how much percentage of your immune system is in your gut, but it is about 80 to 90%. So when you're eating a donut, that donut matters. You're either damaging it or you're nourishing it. And Mm. I believe that the current approach to industrial flour, industrial baking, fast baking, uh, monoculture, um, and our indulging our uh, sugar, uh, desires for sugar, are actually damaging our gut microbiome and in turn the gut microbiome and our immune system and inflammatory responses uh, is is, is being compromised because of our diet. But like I said, Mm. I'm not willing to give the good things up. Telling someone to stop eating the good things is no good, Adam. Mm -hmm. You have to replace something, not criticise it. Yeah, and that's what that's what I thought a lot through, through the book is it's it's not like it's not like your archetypal like healthy sweet baking book. It's it's much more than that. It's 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 not just no sugar. You know, it's not like cut one thing out, but the other things are bad. It's kind of like a more overall look at like well, it's it's full of science really. It's a really in depth look at, at our gut and and what we can do to make it better and make make our bodies work better and our minds. Um, so the, the the flour mixes, how would I go about milling my own? I don't have a mill. So is there any way that I can do anything at home that I can Yeah, really I mean, that does, it, that part of the book actually explains that you can actually just go make your own diversity blend. So right now, if you go in your cupboard, what would you, which bag of, don't, don't tell me a brand, but what, what flour would you pull out, Adam? What's in your cupboard? Uh, me being a baker, I have mm-hmm. so many bags of flour. I've Excellent. got rice, spelt, whole meal, farmhouse plain <laughs> self-raising oh but you know the old, but the, those okay. are probably the so when you get home go get yourself a really big pot mm. okay and you need to throw in the flowers together so we should, and, and and really it's it's quite useful to kind of get something that will hold maybe seven or eight kilos so you know those old-fashioned okay, flower bin. yeah the flower bin um mm-hmm. And just literally in with a bag of spelt, in with a bag of emma, a bag of rye, a bag of einkorn. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can stretch to it, a bag of corisana, already we've got a diversity of five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you consider that in about 10 seconds, you just had a diversity of five, that's, the, that's mm-hmm. a great start. And then at that point, you can start kind of thinking, well, what else have I got in there? So you can keep going with the, on the flower feet. And you could find some barley flour. 
there's even potato flour, though not too much. Um, oat flour, I suppose. Sorry? Oats, oat yeah. Oat flour, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And then you can kind of then start to look at other flours, but in a, a smaller proportion. So, for example, I might add in three or four, uh, three, two or three percent, maybe, of flaxseed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to add too much of it in or your dough will go mental, especially mm-hmm. with sourdough, because it's very, very nutritious and it will be jumping out the basket and running down the road if it, 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 yeah, yeah. it really is lively. But the push, proportionally... So that's number six. What else have you got in the cupboard? Have you got any green tea? Have you got any matcha or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got green tea. I don't have matcha. I, I'm not a big fan of matcha, but I do have green tea. Okay, so you could put a little green tea in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you got any... Do you have anything that you put in your smoothies? Have you got any of those... You know those probiotic mixes that you get, that you put a big spoon in your smoothie? No, I've got... No. Chia seeds, I think. I sometimes put them in. Yeah, but okay, I'll be honest, I, I, don't eat, I don't eat many smoothies. Okay, so chia seeds. So a spoon of chia seeds. So again, you could put a spoon of uh, poppy seeds in there. Mm-hmm. So all uh, those things are just adding another... It's, it's, it, yes. it's, it's, it's almost strange to think of it in that way of like, you know, we're told to get your five a day. I mean, it's 10 a day now. So what you're saying is you need to eat like, you know, 40 a day, 50 a day. A day. Yeah. 30. So, so with the breads here, what we do, Adam, is we use a diversity blend and then I mm-hmm. use a muesli mix. So I can easily kick out a a loaf with a diversity mm-hmm. score of 30 or 40. Mad. If you think about it, if I've got one of my diversity blends coupled with a muesli, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, I don't know if you if you read Tim Spector's introduction uh, did, yeah. to the book. Yeah, so Tim is... I, I don't know, and you might have caught my uh, chat with Tim. I did, a, I did an hour with him on the Sado School Instagram, mm-hmm. not last night, the night before. And I was laughing my head off because when I first told Tim about the concept, he because most of the evidence and most of the research points to 30 a week. It's like get 30 different plants in your gut a week is week. Mm-hmm. When I explained that I could get 30 to 40 in the first bite of your toast in the morning on a Monday in morning, morning. Yeah. he looked at me and he just said, you bloody cheat. Because <laughs> it's in yeah, one yeah. slice of bread. <laughs> That's like <laughs> doping. Like, that's yeah, doping. Absolutely. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> and so it was, he's very, he's got a very dry sense of humour and very wry. But he, he was, he said it with a big grin on his face. But, and I was like, absolutely great because we need to reimagine flour. You know, flour, why would you only pick one ingredient out of a meadow? If you stand mm. there, Adam, actually plant your feet in a meadow, stand in a meadow at harvest time. There's rose hips. There's there's still some uh, sometimes some roses. There's oh, there's wild oregano at your feet. There's all these beautiful grains around you. There's there's corn flowers and there's poppies. I mean, why but wouldn't do you, you not, eat the whole meadow? Do you not think that people are just completely disengaged or you know separated from food as plants as ingredients as as raw materials? They, you know, it comes in packs. It doesn't grow. They don't. It's hard to imagine things growing in fields for a lot of people. So, I guess uh, you say that, but if you stand and talk to the dustbin man hmm. about how much recycling you're doing, and you tell him what you're doing, his he's he's like the, I, the dustbin man was like, "You blew my brains out." 
I need to start baking. When the school was being uh, built here, there was a concrete lorry that pulled up. And by the time he'd finished pouring the concrete, he was walking away with a shadow starter and a bag of my diversity flour. So when I've got the that's dustman... That's just you though, Vanessa. That's, that's, the, how, that, that's how <laughs> persuasive you are. No, no <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a very simple explanation. Miller Meadow, long, slow ferment it, let the microbes do their work and go back to what we, we go back to what we always did and work symbiotically with the planet. I mean, maybe if you look at something like Gaia theory, where the planet is living and breathing, and you look at the way that we are a microbial world, and you suddenly understand that the plants and the microbes have the answer. Mm-hmm. We think we're really clever with, with this industrial approach, but we're actually damaging ourselves. And what's really scary is the level to which that has gone, Adam, is not acceptable anymore. I'll, I, I hope I'm not going to embarrass my, my son or his friends at this point, but <laughs> about five or six weeks ago, uh, my son had, uh, we had his friends here, and it was an out, outside and sat his friends down. They were all 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I said, guys, there were maybe, there's a whole group of them. And I said, guys, can you t- please tell me how many fruits and vegetables you've eaten today? And I went round maybe eight or ten of them. Do you know, not one of them had eaten more than two. Mm. And they included lettuce and satsuma in that, and not one of them. And the only person in the whole group who'd eaten ten was my son. Yeah. Because I had fed him. Now, it's not acceptable, because those foodstuffs that we are feeding our gut is the fuel and the substrate upon which the gut microbes make the neurochemicals that our brain needs to operate. The serotonin, the the dopamine, the GABA, which is something that calms anxiety down in the brain. And we are literally starving our brains of the chemicals that they need. And it's criminal. And I actually believe that the government needs to take a very good, long, hard look at their definition of what bread is, at that fast Chorleywood bread-making process. I believe that... We now have the technology and the understanding and the research to completely examine what was a post-war approach to bread that we now know is significantly damaging to not just our uh, mental health by starving our bodies of fibre, but then also ongoing, you're looking at all of the other problems that come with that, which is in blood sugar management diabetes, obesity, and then if you take it on from there and all of the gut microbiome specialists, you will tell you that that inflammation is contributory to all of the other non-communicable diseases, such uh, including Alzheimer's. Um, uh, lack of fibre is associated with bowel cancer, another major killer, perhaps the fourth major killer in, 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 mm. in, in, in the UK. Uh, Alzheimer's, I believe, is the number one or two killers of women in the UK. Uh, these are inflammatory diseases and we need to go back and re-examine our most basic food. This isn't like I want you to examine Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't. All I need Mm. is our most basic, our most humble food. And when you look at the people who are at the lowest end of society in terms of their social and economic status, they rely on bread. They rely on, Mm -hmm. on, on these baked goods. It is absolutely, in my mind, it is absolutely criminal that unknowing to them, they are eating bread that is harming them, not Mm -hmm. nourishing them. 
And if you go back and look at, for example, at a time when, for example, people were smoking and they didn't realise they were giving themselves cancer, Mm. why is it any different that they're eating really appalling bread and inadvertently harming themselves? Why is that any different? It's not okay. It's absolutely... Given given our knowledge, given that this Mm. information is available to us, how are we applying it, Adam? What are we doing to apply this knowledge? Mm -hmm. And it is not okay to keep on expecting bakers to go down the same old, same old route. Oh, making a donut. Oh, I feel a bit sad. I've got, you know, I've had a really bad day. I'm going to treat myself to a donut or I'm going to treat myself to a cake or even a sandwich. It's not okay. It's Mm -hmm. no longer okay. And it wouldn't take very much to adjust the food system to, to change. And that would change society as a whole. And I think that the army of people, I, I, and you're in there. I mean, you're a baker. Mm-hmm. You're one of that army of people who mm-hmm. know that it's time to change. And the, the way to get that change to happen is to pour all my knowledge and understanding into a book and put it out there and go and actually empower everyone else to make those changes and to push for those changes and to be able to speak about the things that need to be done with knowledge and authority and implement those changes and go beyond my recipes, beyond my flowers, beyond my botanicals and apply that knowledge to their own baking. And that is a change that needs to happen. Change the paradigm of bread, change the tune, change the approach because we ourselves are devolving as Mm -hmm. we actually ruin our own health uh, mentally and physically. And I I just can't sit by with that knowledge and watch it happen. happen. Sorry. Uh, can't. No, no, it's not okay. Well, that is, um, yeah. So I think right. that's a really good place. That's a really, and that's a good place to end on because that is rich, literally what the book is. Actually, just summed up with the book's ethos and what it all stands for right at the end there. Um, Vanessa, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been um, an absolute pleasure. Um, You're very hopefully welcome. I'll get to, hopefully, I'll get to do it again soon. Thanks. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you want to explore more of our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and some great cooking advice. Why not try a subscription to Olive Magazine and get the very best recipes delivered to help inspire your cooking? To take advantage of our current offer of three issues for only £5, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash allpod720. That's O-L-P-O-D 720. Terms and conditions apply. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to.